Good afternoon, everyone who's joining us on the working lunch today. Um, so first off, you might think that, uh, wow, Louise has really kind of let herself go. Um, or they've kind of parachuted in Chuck Norris's love child. But uh, no, no, you've got me, James Whitelock, as your host for today's working lunch. And I'm joined today with Christy Perrot, um, uh, founder at Thrive uh, Communications. Um, and we're going to be talking through some ways that you can kind of help your clients with their marketing. And we're going to kind of talk through a few bits around that, around kind of marketing automation and account-based marketing, all the kind of really cool stuff that is around in kind of the marketing world at the moment. But first off, what is everybody having for lunch? Christy, what did you have for lunch today? So I'm waiting for post-webinar for my lunch. I might have snuck in a cheeky avo on toast about an hour and a half ago. Um, well, I had my usual chicken uh, salad, which is my kind of go-to, basically. Nice. Um, it's kind of that mixed up with some kind of wrap is usually what I kind of, I'm a stickler for, for those kind of things. I'm a, I'm, Perfect. You know, my OCD won't let me go any further than that uh, anytime. So, um, so yeah, so let me know. Everybody kind of sound off in the chat bar. Let me know what you've all had for your lunch. Um, uh, I'm going to guess it's kind of cheese on toast. Who had cheese on toast? Someone must have had cheese on toast, right? That's that's a go-to. Always a go-to is a cheese on toast. Um, who had Pringles? <laughs> someone had Pringles. Who's that? From someone from Logic? <laughs> so just had Pringles. Just crisps for for, for lunch. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the kind of cornerstone of every healthy lunch there. Um, so let's let's hear what as we kind of uh, most people are making their way in now. Let's kind of just uh, get a little bit of induction from you, uh, Christy. So why don't you just kind of tell us a bit about yourself? Um, uh, your business, how you got involved with um, recruitment marketing. Yeah, perfect. Well, how did I get involved with recruitment marketing? I mean, most people fall into recruitment. I, like everyone else, fell into recruitment. And that, I'm a bit sorry to say, was about 16, 17 years ago, which is the, the scary thought. But um, you probably could hear my accent. It's a Canadian accent, albeit with a, a 10 years of, of polishing it up, maybe a little bit in, in the UK. But I've always been on the marketing side. So I spent... 14 of those 16 years with a big, large global recruiter. Um, I made my way through the ranks, um, had, was very fortunate at the time to obviously see kind of this onslaught of, of digital marketing and, and really changing the attitude from, from even if you think about the last recession of what we were doing to try to come out of it. I mean, this isn't new that this whole let's shift to client focused mm -hmm. marketing, but our tactics can be just so much more uh, innovative, so much more targeted, you know, they're really going to actually allow us to, to you know, move the dial much more quickly. So in, in packing up there, I um, finished up as a senior director or as a director of um, global marketing and member of the steering, international steering committee before moving over to starting Thrive, which we work like not too dissimilar to yourself, James, exclusively within recruitment, um, both agencies and in-house to really work with them to understand particularly what's the, the business development and what's the, their business goals they're trying to achieve and why marketing shouldn't be absolutely married up. And, and that goes a lot further than just posting on social media. It's, it's figuring out what is actually going to, you know, drive their business forward taking that that whole holistic side of the business and, and their business development and where marketing can, can really play a role in all of that. Yeah, it's a good point, right? Um, and we will get onto more of this as we kind of move on, but 
that connection between marketing and the rest of the business and more, looking at it from a much more kind of holistic kind of viewpoint mm. and not just being the part the mark the department that gets cut when the, when when things are tight right you know that's uh, you know. <laughs> I hope not <laughs> I mean that that was I think the reaction maybe of the recession of 10 plus years ago but really and and we're going to go into marketing automation specifically um, but whether it's recessionary or otherwise marketing now really is properly an extension of your sales team and it's a way to I it really should be called sales automation because what you're doing is the activities that would maybe be one-to-one, all that cold calling and all that cold emailing, which tends to be happen a lot more now than, than calls. Um, why can't that be automated? You know, so really that that thought of, oh, we'll just cut the marketing department or marketing spend is quite short-sighted. And, and I know there's hard decisions to be made, but really changing that mindset to think of how marketing is actually a sales function and should deliver as a sales function does. Um, should be top of mind when you're making those hard decisions. Yeah, it's interesting. So I had a conversation on on, um, on LinkedIn the other day about where the, the actually the distinction between marketing being a back office and front office is mm. really is really and how it just really should be forefront, you know, of your kind of sales team. Um, and actually, calling it almost back office is doing it a bit of a disservice. Now, this is not me bigging up our you know our part in the in the, in, 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 in kind of our cog in the in the, in the machinery. But I think that really is that kind of part now, and especially with um, people now feeling that with the, with the uptake of personal branding and things like that, mm-hmm. it is forefront now, right? Well, absolutely, and and I mean, I actually do have the good fortune. I always sat on a sales floor, and and even to this day, when I go in and have these discussions with with recruitment leaders, they're actually quite surprised that you know I know the lingo and I and I know what they're doing, and I know. Hopefully, I'd like to think that I I can understand what um, you know what their focus areas and, and some of that tacti- tactics or strategy behind it. But that's because you have those co- those conversations, and it's a little bit by osmosis, letting your marketing person just hear it. I I, I would always used to when I managed large teams, I'd always sit them down when I got a new member of staff and said, "This is the reality for a recruiter. This is what they these are the targets they have to meet. This is the the reality from a." Um, financial point of view and commission structures and this is why they might not have a lot of time for you sometimes however what you can add to them and how you can you know be respectful of of their other commitments is what's really going to allow for this great partnership and what that that translates into is as you do get you know as you do invite that marketing person into those business meetings is letting them actually understand what are those business targets. So if you're saying we want to grow 20 or 30%, or and, and maybe those in good times, whatever that, that yeah. number looks like right now, how can you actually do that if you don't know how many customers you're acquiring and how many candidates you need and how many CVs you need to come in and how many job orders you need to come in? And, and those are all metrics that marketing plays a pretty significant role in. Well, it used to be that thing, wasn't it? It was always called sales and marketing, but it was actually more sales than it was marketing. You know, that's always kind of how I felt when I was working in those kind of bigger businesses. Um, but there's definitely kind of uh, an equilibrium kind of now, uh, and even it's a kind of crossover that salespeople are marketeers and marketeers are a bit more kind of salesy. And there's kind of this kind of... And recruiters are marketers. Let's not well, forget yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, recruiters it's are definitely... a quote from... Um... Somebody, uh, somebody, Jeffries, his surname is from SAP, who said, if you don't think, if you're a recruiter and you don't think you're a marketer, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, you, 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 you need to think again, effectively. Yeah. And it's again, like, like recruitment brands themselves are now, you know, should almost be considering themselves as, as publishers. The amount of kind of content they should really be kind of 
pumping out now. You know, there's that, there's that argument to be made that they could be publishers. Anyway, do you know what? We're getting <laughs> completely distracted. We're talking marketing. Um, so we're here to feed. You're going to kind of take us through a little bit about kind of having a, a client-driven kind of marketing strategy, right? So um, why don't you kind of talk us through a little bit around that, uh, and then we'll kind of pick through that uh, and go through the little kind of some of the individual kind of details, and we can look at some kind of uh, – we can go through some examples, some scenarios, uh, so that helps the audience kind of understand exactly the kind of thing that uh, can drive their, their marketing strategy. Perfect. And and obviously, everybody knows when you do a show like this, you, you do actually have your notes beforehand. So we, we do have kind of three big takeaways for everyone that we're going to talk through that genuinely are very easily implementable um, in some shape or form immediately. If you have time this afternoon, you can start implementing these. So it's not a big surprise. I mean, I obviously we're now, we have seen the market pivot from a candidate shortage or the war for talent. And I'm not saying that that's gonna go away completely. And I, there's definitely certain um, sectors and industries that are still feeling that that pinch for, for that talent gap pinch, but definitely at least in, in the immediate or medium term as, rec as recruitment businesses, we need to be focusing on clients. Um, we probably have fewer, we may have fewer staff members, whether they're furloughed or unfortunately, I, obviously there, there are some tough decisions being made. Um, there are fewer job orders out there. There's just less hiring in volume. And obviously you need to find a way to both know what you're saying, what is the value proposition that you're ready to articulate? How are you reaching them? So that's where your, your channels and, and we're going to talk specifically about marketing automation and how you can get more out of your existing database as well as leveraging some tech tools and, and bringing LinkedIn into the fore and how, how do you marry up your marketing with, and I'm not talking about posting, I'm talking about extracting contacts and how you marry that up as part of your um, client uh, CRM uh, uh acquisition. And then finally, we're going to talk about account-based marketing, which isn't really a recruitment buzzword. It is us marketers who follow lots of different things. We will have heard it for a while. But what that is, in essence, is really talking about um, almost like how from a BD standpoint, you'd focus on specific accounts. Well, this just means that you bring your marketing along with you and you focus your marketing on those specific accounts, which, as you can imagine, right now that need to cross sell and mushroom accounts and really get more out of each client uh, relationship you have is, is a way to, that you really should be focusing to, to help drive that revenue right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. There's, so there's a couple of points in there that so, um, account-based marketing. Yeah, you're right. That's not really something that we talk about within recruitment much. Um, uh, it's a bit of a hard sell, uh, but we'll, again, we'll come back to that. But let's kind of let's move that back to the back to the kind of beginning and kind of start kind of around, around almost with the basics. So, you know, around kind of understanding your value and your value proposition, you know, that's kind of that's key, right? That's that's your kind of your starting point before you kind of move on to that next stage. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's it's the starting point no matter what. Um, however, right now, I mean, I don't think it's any secret if you have been watching any podcasts, um, you know, I've heard it, you've probably seen it we need to be reinventing ourselves as an industry right now. And, and that obviously started with having to enable video interviews and video onboarding, but I think it's gonna be bigger than that. I think we all can agree it's bigger than that. So if hiring has been reduced, you know, that companies have been in this big push that, you know, this franticness almost to, to get the right talent in, they've had these big RPOs, uh, or, um, sorry, RPO services in-house, they've had, um, you know, internal recruitment functions. 
And I don't know if they're going to be around the same way or in the same version in the in the coming months. So figuring out as recruiters, and, and again, I, I, I'm not the recruitment expert, but understanding what value you're going to be giving to them in, in the coming months and in the future and how what that make why that makes you different from the other 39,000 recruitment agencies in this industry in the UK is, is a pretty big deal. You, you need to figure that out. You need to nail it. And once you have nailed it, and I'm sure you've had some time these last few months to really think about it. The, the businesses I talk to are really excited because they have these new offerings. But now pulling that into your your narrative, into your rhetoric and, and how you articulate that is going to make a big difference between why a company should pick you versus your competitor. So this is basically talking about your, your kind of your how, your what's and your why's, isn't it? You know, I mean, this is kind of um, and we do a little kind of uh, like a little thing with some of our clients is we take them through and actually build them, you know, write like kind of their proposition statement. You know, yeah. um, and as just as just as you would do for your own business, you know, um, and you don't have to have a new business or a startup. You can do this at any point, basically, because this could have been something that you just haven't really ever done. And it, it's quite a marketing thing. Right. But it is a thing. It is a really good idea to kind of like define like, what, what do we do? Who do we do it for? And, and why do we do it? Yeah. You, know, you know, and it kind of, you know, and now it's probably a good time, as you said, to kind of reevaluate that or do it for the first time if you haven't done it already, you know. And this then will be the kind of generator and the leader for all of your kind of marketing activity from that point onwards, because that defines. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do think um, branding for recruitment agencies has come a long way in the last few years. It used to be, we're experts in this, we're biggest in this, we've been around this long. And they've now really, or the ones that are doing it well, have, have turned the rhetoric to be about, this is the problem or this is the pain point that we are trying to solve. And, and that that's fantastic. When we're actually starting to to build that into the service proposition, it, it it's part of the umbrella of your company. But you could actually almost create these little mini service propositions, and they kind of become little campaigns as they're on on their own. I saw a great example a couple of days ago, and I, I won't mention the recruitment company. It's not one of my clients, um, unfortunately, because it was very good. and <laughs> it was just this great video. And they did this whole kind of countdown and said, um, you know, this is coming. We have a whole new service offering. It was very cleverly done. This little video talked all about the pain points and what problem they're solving. Literally, all they're saying is they're going to give you kind of a light version of RPO that they can staff your your services remotely. That was it. Yeah. However, it looked immensely clever. And if I was that client sitting there, they nailed every single one of my pain points that I'm having an issue with right now. And that's what the, is at the heart of all of this. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because recruiters, you know, they, they use, you know, there's, there's, there's two types. You've got your very niche, you know, or niche, as you might, you know. Um, and so it's very easy to come up with that who, what, and why, basically, because you're in a very specific industry. You're in, and you kind of, and you're always going to be doing recruitment, but you get you yes. see the problem yourself. When you're a larger recruiter, and you know you're always told you can't do everything for everybody. Now, but when generally in with the recruitment, when you're a recruiter, you you're one of the big ones. You do do everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so this is when these kind of like these mini kind of campaigns and these mini kind of service propositions kind of was kind of come in to, come into play. Um, which is kind of uh, an interesting kind of scenario because you don't usually get that. You don't get that with a lot of other businesses. You know what I mean? You can kind of have yeah. that kind of very broad spectrum um, and having to kind of then almost redefine for your your guys who are recruiting construction as opposed to your guys that are recruiting in IT, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
you know, there's a, there's a subtle difference. You know, you, there's still a similar offering, but, you know, there's a different knowledge base in, in both camps, you know? Yep. And I think there's this, this prevailing attitude out there as well is that you, you start up an additional line of business or additional sector specialism and you need to develop an entirely new brand for them. And I mean, from a marketer's standpoint, and, and this definitely could open up for debate, but you hear that and you're like, oh, God, that's another website and another marketing this and, an, you know, another email. It, it The workload that it creates versus in this it, in its infancy it's a startup effectively is it, it's just disproportionate and so thinking about you know there's no reason why you can't have a different service offering or or sector etc and pull it under that brand and and mm-hmm. how that all marries up together and what we're going to go on in a in a bit about the account based marketing it that makes it that much easier for you to cross sell your services when you go into these businesses as well um so let's kind of have a look at it. so we've got examples of people we work with at a minute who have definitely been pivoting, right? Mm. You know, uh, so that's definitely, some businesses are definitely doing this. You know, we've got kind of, and it's not necessarily drastic, they're just maybe looking at, they've, they've gone back, they've reviewed what the, where they're strongest over the last kind of 18 months or something, and they've mm-hmm. decided that in this climate, that's the place to go. I'm sure you've got examples of businesses that, that are doing the same. The other scenario is where that is the wrong plan, the wrong thing to do. Yeah. So you're saying the wrong plan of what what their plans are, or actually, yeah, I mean, what, you, know, we, you know, there's there's definitely there must be situations right where you're a, you're a recruitment agency, you're struggling at the minute, and that you the first thing is we need to pivot and and start looking in a different direction instead of right, you know what, we could probably just do better at what we're doing over here as opposed to doing something new over there. Well, I think part of the, the true essence I'm trying to get across with pivoting is what was a big focus on candidate attraction strategies and moving that into client attraction strategies. So I think the lion's share of most recruitment businesses, at least they're paid. And I'm going to use that lightly because I'm using that as job boards. So they were paying for job boards. They obviously got their Indeed um, traffic coming in most cases. They uh, maybe did some candidate newsletters and did some organic social media. At a pinch, they might have done some PPC advertising um, for, for candidates around whatever jobs terms there is. So you have all these campaigns set up, or at least all these channels of activity set up. And in most cases, you'll find the channels that they were trying to reach clients on were quite minimal in comparison. So organic social media, I will call it sales enablement. So, you know, the giving tools to the to the recruiters to, to enable them to do their jobs through whatever it might be, decks, case studies, whatever. And I'm not saying that stuff's not, not important, but if you think that whole wide mix, the, the crutch of what I'm saying is all that candidate stuff, you may not need all that right now. Right. At the end of the day, is you need enough candidate activity coming in to meet what your business demands are. So that's, again, going back to figuring out your leads or figuring out your, your job placements, your job orders, how many placements, how many candidates you need to bring to those interviews and what quality of candidates you have coming in. And if you're able to meet and, and if you go even further figuring out the cost per acquisition of those candidates, taking all those metrics and figuring out how much candidate marketing do I really need in order to meet my my business objectives. Once you um, do that, you need to shift your, your focus to client-facing marketing in general. Uh, so uh, Rachel in the chat box is saying that uh, data, data has to inform any decisions you do before you can pivot. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and if you haven't picked, I mean, the, the good news is if you are using Google Analytics and you, you'll be able to, you know, to hopefully ret- retroactively see the, the numbers coming through. But absolutely looking at that cost per acquisition is a really big one because it not only allows you to identify um, is our marketing working, but it allows you to identify what channel is is getting you the best CVs. And at minimum, if you're doing that with job boards, is figuring out which job boards get you the, not just volume of CVs, but the CVs you end up placing. Mm-hmm. And you can only do that um, if you look at that data and 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 work through it and find out what do you really need. Um, anyone who's kind of uh, in the chat box, it'd be great to kind of get any um, ideas if there if there are businesses out there. If you've ever gone through this process of building yourself a a kind of value proposition or a value proposition statement. Um, because as I said, this is something that we do, and I'm sure you do as well, Christy, but uh, I, I don't know if it's kind of widespread across other businesses that they kind of clearly define in almost a very simple paragraph exactly what they do, who they do it for, and why they do it. Uh, so it'd be great to kind of get some feedback on that. Um, so you've got your value proposition. You know what you're trying to do. You know who you're trying to target. Um, let's move on to the kind of next stage, which is um, the actual delivery, the deployment of this. Uh, and as you mentioned before, you know, you can you can automate a lot of this now, right? This is this is the kind of the, the you know, it's not even new for us. I mean, we've been doing it for a while. We've been kind of like playing around with these kind of automation toys, um, mm-hmm. but now it's it's available to everybody. They're easy to set up, you know. Yeah. So, kind of let's let's t- t- tell us about that kind of that part of the kind of the process, the kind of automation part. Absolutely. So um, obviously, a lot of people are familiar with automation in terms of posting social media posts and, and Hootsuite and some of these out there. But what where this really is advantageous for our industry is, in general, we have quite large databases. So whether it's large databases of candidates, large databases of clients, and I'm going to put a third category being if you do have a LinkedIn recruiter or sales navigator license, you have, and, and I'll go into this part specifically in a second, but you have a lot of contacts that you can be um, engaging with without actually paying for a lot of additional advertising on client advertising. And for as as a recruitment leader, I think it can be very, very frustrating that, you know, if you've been in business for 10, 15 years, you've built up this massive database with probably tens of thousands of contacts on it, but your recruiters are always going out looking for net new. So they're always doing the same activity again and again using job boards to get more candidates or using, you know, going out and cold calling to try to find more client business. And I get it. I get why a recruiter would do that because it's closest to the money for them. You know, for them, they know if you think of the sales funnel, you know that somebody, if they've applied to a job on a job board, they're at the bottom of their candidate sales funnel. They are looking for a job. You know this. We don't know that when it's in the database. But what the beauty is of, of marketing right now is, and I'm going, you can go, obviously, it could be as basic as a newsletter. But if you go just that step further, and actually, instead of just thinking of it as pushing content at them, is actually automating the stages of the sales funnel. So quick sales funnel, not to tell people something they don't already know, but at the top, it's awareness, then it's interest, then it's consideration, then it's preference. And those are the stages that you need to think about. And this goes into your value proposition as well. What are the pain points that every one of your client, in this case, clients, are experiencing as they're dealing with their um, with their sale with their recruitment need? And it may not even they may not even realize it's a recruitment need right now. They may actually may think they need a consultancy or something that that's a different kind of resource based service, but they know they have a problem. Mm-hmm. So if you can accurately and and articulate and and 
solve that pain point through each of those stages through an automated nurture sequence, right? Following me. So you're figuring it out. And as you, because this technology, it allows you to see what behaviors people are taking. So you can see if they're clicking on your, your content and those are signals saying, huh, okay, they're interested in what I'm saying. Oh, they have clicked on the consideration phase of what I'm talking about. So now I know they're warmed up, they're ready to buy. That's now the moment that my recruiter goes and gives them a call because it's spending their time much more wisely. And you've now just, you know, you spread this massive net to pull them all in. Literally, they're at the bottom spearfishing um, because you've warmed them up for them through marketing. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. So you know, anyone who's maybe watching and kind of isn't necessarily aware of kind of how, of marketing funnels, I mean, it's obvious stuff, right? But for us, but you're right, you kind of got this, there's these stages. And what you're trying to do is you'll get people to move down, down the funnel, basically. Uh, and the, the kind of technology you're talking about basically can kind of, kind of just slowly nurture people to move their way down from one stage to the other, from the awareness to consideration to decision. However you kind of define it, there's different kind of models, but that's what you basically want to do. And then you can be kind of alerted basically when people are moving down. So you can then exactly. make decisions on how to how you want to contact them and even automate that process on contacting them. Exactly. Um, and they also don't need to all be marketing emails. So most of these, and actually if, if, the, if you're really clever with them, some of them would look like a marketing email and then you pop one in that is not branded, that is from somebody individually, and it looks like a very personalized email to them, which again, if you think about what our recruiters are doing, a lot of their day spent is doing is, is taking often not too dissimilar an email and sending it out to lots of different people. Why aren't we just mark, uh, automating this? So uh, one tool that we use a lot is HubSpot, and I'm sure everybody is kind of aware of this, and this is not going to turn into a kind of a HubSpot kind of like sales pitch, but they, they've got some quite clever tools in there that can, can do that thing from, you know, from, from a, almost like from an email marketing campaign, and then do you do these kind of follow-up nurture campaigns. Yeah. Um, pretty simple things to kind of to, to set up and to use. Um, you know, are there anything, is there any other kind of tools that you're kind of, that you use or you're aware of that you're, you're a fan of? Yeah, well, 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 two things, and here's where the controversy comes in. I'm not a fan of HubSpot, and okay. and it's not because it's it's not a powerful tool, but it it's expensive. It's expensive to um, as part of their value is really the CRM that's attached to it. They price accordingly, um, but the, that CRM isn't always the best for recruitment because we we obviously have some very specific needs. So. The good news is, is that there are actually um, a lot of the recruitment CRMs maybe aren't, definitely aren't as evolved as HubSpot, also not as evolved as like a Salesforce, but with the right plugins, and I won't get into this tech talk, but there are ways to plug them in. And there are marketing automation tools that are at a, a bit more competitive price point for what they, their functionality compared to, to what the, the cost point, that price point is. So sorry about that, James, I had to get that in there. Just because it, it can be, people see them, they're like, oh, it's so expensive, It's it, that's gonna be, and it, you know, I won't be able to, to do this because of it. The good news is that, that, that there are some cheaper versions. Um, the other piece though, that I do wanna talk about this, which is, I think it's extremely exciting. And it, it's what I was talking about in terms of, if you have a sale, uh, LinkedIn, um, sales navigator or a recruiter license. So as you probably know, you can't do a search and then pull extract with all the email addresses. And some of you have heard that there's a tech tool called Ducks Soup, D-U-X space soup. Um, and effectively it allows you to create your search for whatever, say you're looking for finance directors in Manchester, you can pull your search, 
you're able to, and I'm, it, it effectively automates so that it pulls it out. And then through, again, some other technology, the tool that I use is called Zimplify. They're able to actually look and go out and find that person's email address. Now it only works on the client side, um, partly because GDPR, it's, you know, we're looking for client emails or business emails versus Gmails and Hotmails. Um, but what it'll do, it'll do this lookup for you and find that person's um, email address out there. So think about that when you marry that up with what we were just talking about on the marketing automation side, you're now able to extract all these contacts, engage with them, and I particularly engage with them on email where most of them are hanging out. They they don't hang out on LinkedIn like we hang out on LinkedIn. Okay. It's, if you're a finance director, you do not spend your day going through LinkedIn the same way as we do, but you are on your email. So thinking about ways to marry up those two things to be able to, you know, active reactivate that database of contacts you do have and then go in pull in new um, it just makes it really really powerful what you what you're able to achieve in, in reaching these people um what would be really useful so after this we will um we will share on we will share on a linkedin post somewhere all the kind of tools that we're talking about so people can kind of understand the, the different uh, how this all kind of connects up um, but there's a lot written out there about kind of marketing automation um and all the kind of but you're right there is there's a real kind of variety um but I suppose it is, it's just now becoming almost ubiquitous, right? I mean, if you're in marketing agencies themselves should be using all this kind of stuff pretty much. And there's no reason why we just don't just superimpose that into our, into our recruitment clients. You said, you're right. There's if almost all the, the, the biggest CRMs out there or the, all the big databases, ADATS is all some, got some kind of plugin. You can potentially plug in HubSpot. I'm sure if you're on Bullhorn, it's all part of their Bullhorn is, yeah, is it's among the best, best yeah, one for integration. There's Excellent. loads of those kind of integrations out there. And they're all worth looking at because they all play possibly as a kind of a little part in a larger in this larger machine, but all quite an important part, especially if you do want to go down this marketing automation yeah. route. Um, I'm thrilled when somebody says that they're on Bullhorn because it's an easy integration, actually. They they do they make it easy to integrate with them. So yeah. there's yeah. a lot you can do and that the actual triggers. It means that you're not just, again, if you think of a newsletter, you set a newsletter live and then that's it. You know, and then next month you set another newsletter live. What this does, it allows you to actually set up, maybe you have a new prospect funnel. So anytime somebody new that comes into it, it could be three or four months down the line. Obviously your content needs to be relevant and up to date, but it just triggers it. So you set this up once and anybody who, who comes in gets added to it and you're now automating the first stages of, of that sales funnel, which is just, it's just very labor intensive, that part of it, right? If you're doing it manually through cold calling. So it's it's just, it's a great proposition for our industry. Um, I'm just reading uh, Katrina's uh, message in the uh, in the chat box uh, regarding kind of dragging people's emails off of the internet <laughs> and spamming people. Um, well, we shouldn't be spamming people. We should, it should be much more targeted and much more kind of, a, kind of effective and efficient than that. Um, yeah, so Katrina, sorry that wasn't in either of us who was kind of spamming you. Um, let's move on to this really, this, this the kind of next really exciting part that again I think will be new to some some people, which is account based marketing. Right? Um, do you kind of yeah, you're probably in the in the best position to ex kind of explain the kind of um, the kind of explain that. Yeah. So again, for for a, a business development or a sales audience, this is um, probably a concept that you're, you're very, very familiar with. So it's literally just identifying your target companies. But instead of just going after them from a sales perspective, it's linking up with marketing and thinking about how you can tailor your marketing messages to that company specifically. 
So, and you wouldn't do this on mass. So, so really to start, there, there is a bit of work that's involved in this. So, so be mindful. So maybe you start by you sit down, bring your marketing and sales teams together, and maybe you identify five, five to start, but five to 10 target clients that you know, okay, maybe we have some perm work in with them. We want to start con uh, cross-selling interim or contract work. Or maybe we have, um, I'm working within this vertical, but I know there's all these other verticals we could work with them. So, so whatever that means that you can mushroom that account, right? So you sit down and you start actually doing this whole, that pain, that value proposition pain point exercise. You do it, but you do it for that company specifically. And you just get really into the research. So find out, you know, access their org charts, find out, um, you know, look how their uh, previous recessionary behaviors looked like. What did they do last time? You know, how are they faring in this current marketplace? Um, look up on LinkedIn. Who do you know within, within that business, et cetera, et cetera. The point is you get into really understanding that business. You figure out your value proposition specific to them, addressing their pain points, and then you create a marketing campaign around it. And so you may ask, probably the next question is, what would that marketing campaign look like, right? So um, when you think about it, there's a lot you can do. Um, that means you don't actually have to advertise it en masse. So I would always start with a specific landing page. So you have a landing page on your website. It would be hidden. Um, it wouldn't show up in navigation. You'd only be able to access this if you had the exact URL, right? So it's .co.uk forward slash whatever. On that page, you, you can address those pain points. You could address that client by name. You can talk about their org chart or maybe the specific program you've put together for them, that this proposal that you put together. And that landing page now becomes your, your central marketing asset that you could be pushing across other marketing channels, like your email. Um, so it's not just necessarily one person at the company. You probably would have multiple contacts that you'd be pushing it out to. Um, you may use that, obviously, if you're... Uh, reaching out to them on LinkedIn. There's also even some tools, if you do want to get into the advertising side of things, there's actually some tools out there that allow you that to create ads that only appear to people with that IP address, so people who work in that specific yeah. company. So the point is, is you've now created something so bespoke to them that you're just making it easy for them to pick you over the next company. So it is my problem potentially with, with account-based marketing is one, a lot of businesses, especially smaller businesses, this is a lot of work, right? A you lot know, of work. This is a lot of work for them to kind of like because you are you've got your you, see, you might have your own marketing budget, or they might have their own marketing budget generally. Mm -hmm. But when you then got to kind of write right, we're gonna do everything we're doing over here for, for generally and be very specific to these two or three kind of clients that we are we're we're targeting and focusing. Now I'm not saying that won't pay off, but there's a lot of upfront work to do with that kind of thing. Um, so for smaller businesses the, the, you know, there's a lot of pushback, and we've kind of found this that uh, you you can do so much targeting, but really there's a lot of work because it's, you know it is specific pages, specific content, um, specific advertising, um, and there's a lot of research as well because that that whole kind of front you've got to do a lot of front loading into into those kinds of into that work. So I think it's only really businesses of a certain size that kind of can get the most out of it because they've just got the kind of time and resources. Uh, that's what we found. I don't know if that's the kind of thing you found as well. I mean, everything you're saying is is true. And I think with anything in all of this, it's not about going in piecemeal. So if we go back to that very first point about should data be, you know, what does it take to pivot strategy and should data lead you on that course? That's part of this. So it's figuring out where where is the mo the bulk of our business 
going to come over the next six months? And it's being really truthful with ourselves. It's actually saying, where is our time best spent? Is it best spent creating social media posts just so everybody keeps the awareness up? It might be. It, it absolutely might be. I'm not taking away from that. But if you're in a certain industry or niche or, or position, it, and again, it's understanding your business and the, the good old SWOT analysis of, of your own business, understanding your strengths and weaknesses. I know I did that automatically too. It just reaction. Um, but if you understand it and under, really understand where growth is going to come from, it makes it a little bit more palatable to be able to be really strict with yourself in slicing up your time and your budget and your emphasis and going after what's actually going to move the dial for you. Um, one of the things that, again, that I find, what we find that does work with this is if you try and template it, you know, you come up with a kind of a very much process. You're going to do the one the first time, basically. Um, and then you just, you just kind of, you can kind of sometimes replicate that, you know, uh, and that's the way we try and do it. So that's the way we would set it is right, right. There's a lot of upfront work for the first yeah. time you do this, but once you've kind of got the infrastructure in place, You've got that process. You've got the landing page. You know how that's going to be structured. You've got the kind of kind of content. It is it, it, it is bespokely written, but there's some overlaps you can do, especially if you're in if, the, if these all these clients are in the same space. Um, and that's the way that we try and sell it. Uh, I didn't agree more. I I mean, from from a marketer, and I know a lot of people on the call probably um, have never set up a landing page and have never done some of these things. But the hardest part is actually creating that structure of the landing page. There's generally not so much content on it that that the duplication of it's going to be the challenge. It actually is that very, very first one. And that very, you know, don't think for a moment that if you set up an email campaign, you can't just change it out with a little bit of different wording for, for that individual. It, it is that bit of upfront up pain, let's call it. Um, but again, once you get these set up, this now forms your marketing for, for ongoing. I mean, in a year from now, maybe a bit of the messaging changes but you could still be using this stuff. It, it's not the, the actual templates and the, the strategy and the setup isn't, isn't going to go away. Um, it's also a good selling point. So once you've pulled on a client kind of going down this route is you can sell it to other clients to say, look, the, we, we, this is the way we found you. This is the way we attracted you, you know, and we can help you then almost roll it out with your business. You know what I mean? This is something that we can kind of, you know, look how good we are at doing this. You know, there's no reason that why we can't be kind of do that for you and your, your kind of, you know, you, in your audiences, basically. And so there's a kind of like an on-sell almost with that kind of like, you know, and that's another thing that we try and kind of, yeah. we, we try and kind of uh, help that to sell that to the recruiters that we want to work with. So look, we're going to kind of show you how to do this as well. You know, this is not just kind of something that we do for you. You can then, we can then help you do it for other people. 100%. Once these things are set up, I mean, dropping content in is not difficult. You know, it, it really is repeat, 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 get the right you know, right basis set up from there. It's just taking it and tweaking it as obviously for the different content, but also now you can, going back to that data point, you can actually start seeing what's working and doing more of what's working and, and just making those small tweaks. And it evolves over time, but it gets more successful over time as well. Um, so Stephen's put up a good point in the uh, chat there about the, uh, yeah. the split testing and kind of the A-B testing as we kind of, we kind of know. And it's right. Well, I suppose people don't do it because they don't even get as far as doing the landing pages in the first place. But, you know, if you want to go to that next stage, I mean, and you can do this kind of, uh, and again, it's slightly off, off piece to what we're talking about, the A-B testing kind of piece is something that almost kind of got left behind a little bit. And we used to do it all the time with, you know, you know, Google AdWords was, was just almost did it for you kind of ubiquitously anyway. But, you know, you can do it with your kind of email campaign to your landing pages, your social media posts. There's a, there is a, there is a, there is an argument to be made that that's actually quite a simple way 
to define what you do and to make to make it as effective as possible because you've kind of got a couple of different bites of the cherry. Yeah, and, and just for anybody who doesn't know that terminology, effectively A-B testing is you make two versions and you can have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Testing, yeah. you make different versions with a different maybe subject line, headline, different colors, different, different thing, you know. And you just, you put it out, you send it out to a very small group of people. You see which it performs best, which version performs best. And then that's the version that you send out en masse. Um, and I think what you're saying, I think it has gone a little bit by the wayside because we're running so quickly. It's always been like, okay, on to the next, get it done, on to the next. And I guess, you know, not to, to, to you know, keep beating the drum on this, but if you, if you set it up, not saying you shouldn't do the A-B test on the front end, that is marketing best practice. But if you do it once and then you figure out what works, your next one, that's a pseudo A-B as well. You know, you will be able to keep refining it if you're not willing and or able for whatever reason to do that A-B testing on the front end. But I do agree, it is best practice and you will yield better results if you do it as you incorporate it all the time. I, I admit that we rarely do it any, these days anymore, to be honest, because it just kind of, you know, I think there is a certain amount of arrogance between what you get to so we think we, I think, I think I know best, but um, it probably is something that kind of, and you can do it kind of, kind of across things. Um, we've only got a few minutes left, but I do, I tell you I want to just pick your brains quickly. What? Something that's working quite well is email marketing. Mm. Right? Um, we have seen real successes with email marketing over the past kind of couple of months. Um, definitely client focused as well. So, you know, so turn totally into what you're saying. Is this something that you're kind of kind of seeing as well? Massive. Massive. Um, I, I think right now it's it's certainly come to the fore under the current situation, but we've been promote, promoting this for for a while, for a long time. Um, really email marketing, like I said before, it's going into your database and that a lot of these contacts that people probably haven't um, spoken to for months or years, um, maybe it's not the best spend of their of your consultants time to be calling up all of them maybe you know they just don't get to it at bottom line is email allows you to leverage that but on top of it it's after you pay for your your marketing tool and and you know there, there's different you do have to compare them and obviously for the functionality and the price point a lot of them um that are out there they they pay for the number of contacts you have so again with our the size of our databases that could go up very quickly so look at that when you're when you're comparing them but um, 100%, that, that would be probably my number one um, area I would suggest to, to focus on right now. Um, and again, not, not pushing kind of something, but something like HubSpot or even kind of MailChimp, you know, you can set up these things really, really quickly at the minute. You can import it. Um, I know you do sometimes have a, um, a contact cap. You know, if you're targeting enough, I mean, you probably don't need to be mm -hmm. to, to huge amounts of people anyway. You know what I mean? When you look at you and you kind of get down to brass taxes and, um, so I think the cap is usually around about 1,000 or something like that. But to be honest, you can get great results from just sending to a few hundred people, very tough, yeah. very specific people, right? I think that's that you, you've touched on it again about being very, very disciplined with yourself because I think there is this attitude of like, well, we have 100,000 people in our database. We send it to 100,000. Um, but that's when you start going back to data. <laughs> You're going to start seeing your, your open rates and click-through rates and, and all these things. They are going to be directly proportionate to proportional to um, what targeting you've done, what messaging, what personalization, and if it's relevant to them. So, um, yeah, but people still do air towards the, if I throw it all out there, I'll get a better return. Exactly, that was exactly my point. If you just send it to 100,000 people, something will stick. 
And it's just like that's not cool. That's not that's not marketing. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. That's always kind of that was really kind of annoys me. But it's great to hear that that's kind of something. And it, it, and um, you know, I know that uh, you know we've kind of covered the you know guys. You need to kind of work on your marketing pro- your kind of proposition basically. Write one of those because that can really help easily define what you should be doing. Um, you need to be looking at kind of marketing automation because uh, it's the way forward. Even we use it as marketeers. It's now mm-hmm. just part as ubiquitous with with our tools. Um, and look at something like account-based marketing. Uh, even if you can't, you kind of don't have the resources and time to do it in a minute. It's something you're probably going to come up against in the future, and it can be incredibly effective. Yeah, and it can, you know, it can also be relatively simple. I mean, people are right now. You're probably doing if you do, you call it MPC or hot candidate, um, e shots kind of thing. In some ways, if you do that well it's a pseudo form of account of, of ABM account-based marketing in itself. And just take that same concept and make it a little bit broader. So think about if you were to put together some candidate specs for a business or, or a proposition for a business, it could start as simple as you start with an email to them. Um, it's just mining those contacts and understanding who you're, who you're presenting this to. Um, obviously if you add a few more bells and whistles to that, you know, it hits them at multiple points and multiple stages of the sales funnel, you're going to probably see better return, but it doesn't mean you can't start bringing some of these principles in from the get-go. Perfect. Well, you know, we've come to the end of today's show. So thank you very much, uh, uh, Christy, for joining us today. Um, We'll we'll put up something on social media, on LinkedIn. You can follow both of us on on LinkedIn, and I'm sure we'll we'll share all the stuff that we kind of talked about today. I'm sure there's a great blog post in there somewhere as well. Um, And... um, uh, I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time, I think, uh, with another show. Uh, but definitely, kind of, uh, kind of, come on tomorrow morning, uh, tomorrow afternoon, sorry, at one pm, uh, for another working lunch. Fantastic! Thanks for having me, James and Louise and team. Marketing Rules Podcast is a Thinking Circles production.